Uh, okay, so I want to apply those to microbes. Very difficult because you don't see, in the way of anatomic differences, you really don't see much. Um, then uh, we did come up with this five kingdom system of classification. Now, I'm guessing that most of you, when you went to even in high school, uh, we were already beyond this, uh, the five kingdom. There was the Monera, which included all the prokaryotic organisms, proteins, plants, fungi, and animals. Now today, we've gone to a new classification. Uh, it's developed by Carl Weiss, um, who died about a few years ago. And what he did is that we, he got into the biochemistry of these organisms. And what he found was that within the bacteria, within the prokaryotic group, there were two groups that were really very different from each other and needed to be in separate classifications. And so he divided them into what he called domains, three domains. There's the bacteria, which are what we will mostly deal with. There's the archaea. These live primarily in extreme environments, thermal pools, uh, acid environments, uh, high pressure, high temperature. Um, but they are more like eukaryotic cells than the bacteria are. And then, of course, we have the eukaryotic cells, which is the rest of us. Okay. And so this is the classification system we're, we're using today. Uh, he looked primarily at the RNA in, in the mitochondria, of the, or uh, excuse me, in the ribosomes of these. Because prokaryotes don't have any mitochondria. He looked at RNA in the, uh, in the ribosomes. And by look, comparing the base, bases in the RNA, he could determine that who belonged into which of the groups which we commonly do today. Um, I've got a link here if you want to, this could take a while to open this, this is not going to. Um, so if you want to look at this a little bit more uh, and understand what he did, there's a, a link there um, about, about Carl and, and the kind of work that he did. So if you're interested in that, there's a, there's a link there for that. Okay, our cans are prokaryotes. We'll look at what a prokaryotic cell is later in detail. But basically what it means is there's no nuclear membrane. The, the DNA is just wandering around in the cytoplasm or it's in the cytoplasm. Uh, remember all of those um, organelles you learned in biology 101? You know, the endoplasmic reticulum and the Golgi apparatus and mitochondria. Prokaryotes don't have any of those. Very simple cells. They're much smaller. They're about a tenth of the size of Eukaryotic cell, okay, or, or in some cases even smaller than that. Um, now, archaeans share that with the bacteria. One of the things bacteria have, though, is a particular substance in their cell walls, and we'll be looking at that in detail when we look at, at the uh, bacteria, called peptidoglycan. It's what they use to weave kind of like a little suit of, of armor around themselves to protect them from osmosis. Remember osmosis? Okay? This protects them from that. It's kind of like chain mail around the outside. It, everything is linked, so it, it's a nice little suit that fits around them. The Archaeans don't have peptidoglycan. They have other things in their cell walls. So that sets them apart from the rest of the bacteria. Um, they have RNA that's more similar to, uh, to eukaryotes than to the eubacteria. Okay? They're thought to be some of the oldest species on the planet. Like I said, characterized by living in very extreme environments. 
For instance, some of these live in environments where the temperature is above the boiling point. And if you lower the temperature, they die. Others live in high salt environments. Usually we think of salt. Yeah, that kills microbes, gets rid of them. Some of these guys love it. Okay. The good news for us is, and why we won't spend a lot of time on the Archaeans, is that as far as we have found so far at this point, there are no Archaeans that are pathogens. So that's a, that's a good thing. So then we have the bacteria, again, prokaryotic cells, peptidoglycan in the cell wall, and the nuclear membrane. Almost all the pathogenic prokaryotic organisms that we know of are going to be found in this region. And then we look at one other thing, we'll get to this when we look at their metabolism. It's called metabolic diversity. There are bacteria that live in all kinds of ways as far as getting their, their energy source and as far as their uh, carbon source. Those are two things that every living thing has to have. Remember, we're carbon-based organisms. Okay? The old Star Trek movie, you know, Kirk was always arguing with some robotic thing about the carbon-based units that had to go, and he would defeat them. I don't know how, but he did. Uh, carbon is, is we're a carbon-based organism. Okay? So we have to have a source of carbon. All living things that we know of have to have a source of carbon. We also have to have a source of energy or we stop. So we can take bacteria <coughs> and we can look at what are those sources for those two things and we'll find that they're quite variable. For us it's pretty simple. Uh, our, our carbon source and energy source comes from eating other living things. I mean, there's no other. You're an animal. That's what animals do. Okay, You have to catch something, kill it, and eat it. That's life. Uh, I mean, it may be a piece of lettuce, but you still got to get it and eat it. And that kills it. I mean, uh, or a piece of fruit. It's all we're eating other living things. That's that's how we. That's how all animals survive. Okay. Then there's eukaryotic organisms, nuclear membrane, membrane-bound internal organelles, endoplasmic reticulum, Golgi apparatus, uh, mitochondria. In, in uh, plants, we have chloroplasts. Uh, uh, and they're a lot larger, 10 to 15 times larger than bacteria. So there's clear differences between the two. And so uh, this is just an example. I, in, in Biology 101, you should have looked at your cheek cells at some point, scraped inside of your cheek, you put them on a slide, and you looked at them. Um, okay, so these are squamous epithelial cells. Okay, all of you anatomy folks know what those are. Little, little flat little cells, very unimpressive. Uh, you can see the nucleus in each, uh, in each one, the nucleus here and here. Now, these little things right here, these are bacteria. So you get an idea of the size of a bacterium compared to the huge eukaryotic cells that they're inside of. Big, big size tumors. Bacteria also come in some fairly unique shapes. Uh, they come in rod-like shapes. We call that a bacillus. Again, we'll look at this a little bit more later. Uh, this guy here has a whole bunch of flagellum. Uh, these guys have some. These guys uh, doesn't look like they do. But these are all rod-shaped. That's, that's you don't find eukaryotic cells that with this that are this small and have this kind of shape. So this is unique. Um, and then you can also find some that are little balls. Well, again, we're going to look at those later. Caucus and some that are spiral shaped. We'll look at those later. 
Uh, we're also going to include with microbes the fungi. And that's because uh, the fungi, from a medical viewpoint, usually you're not seeing, uh, I mean, you can go outside and see mushrooms and stuff like that, but you're not going to have a, a patient come in with a mushroom growing out of their foot, okay? The, the, the fungus that they have is going to be microscopic. You're going to need a microscope to see it. And therefore, for medical purposes, they're included with microbes. That, that is strictly a medical approach. Uh, so uh, people in, in biology would consider them not from a medical approach. Uh, they get their food from other organisms. Most of them break down dead organic material, which is really handy, because otherwise we'd be up to our whatever in, in dead stuff out there. Somebody got to do all that. Uh, bacteria do some of that too. Um, they have cell walls. In fact, animals are the only group that has no cell walls. All the other, even eukaryotic organisms, most of them have cell walls. Uh, these have something in them that's unique called chitin. Chitin is the stuff that makes the hard outside shell of arthropods, like crabs and lobsters and crayfish and beetles that crunch when you step on them. You know, that sort of thing. Hopefully you don't step on them. But, um, now, chitin doesn't have to be quite that hard. It can be very flexible as well. Uh, the outside of a spider, for instance, is relatively flexible, but it has chitin. Uh, but since it, their external skeleton has this hardening material in it, uh, at least the animal ones have to have, well, we all have to have joints in order to move. Our bones are internal, theirs are external. We still have to have places where the, where the skeleton can move. Now, so we'll include in this two groups, molds. Uh, these are generally multicellular, long, thin filaments. We'll, we'll do a, a more detailed section on that later. Uh, reproduced with spores. You've all seen them in the refrigerator at some time or another when something's been left in there too long or uh, bread. Uh, that, those are molds. Anything that's fuzzy looking is a mold, basically. And then we have yeasts. From a pathogenic viewpoint, those are the two groups we are interested in. Um, aside from the fact that other fungi produce toxins that uh, can be quite deadly, uh, none of them are infectious other than yeasts and molds are both infectious, can be infectious. Uh, and so this is, uh, these are the long thin filaments. These are only one cell across, and they, they grow by adding more to the end. These are the spores that are being produced. It's not primarily how they reproduce. These are very tiny. They blow away in the air. Every breath you take, is there are mold spores in the air all the time. Uh, they're out there. And this is the yeast, and these grow by budding, by uh, forming new little cells off of the, the original cell. Um, of course, yeast, which uh, is important to us as a food source, but it is also a different species of yeast can also be a pathogen. Actually, it's a couple of different species that can be pathogenic. And just some of the things that fungi do uh, on grapes. Uh, in fact, grapes often, when they are harvested, have kind of a white bloom on them. They want that. That's a, that's a fungus. On. Uh, these are some other fungi. This is a fungus that uh, kills uh, insects. It, it, the spore, it grows inside. I'll have a video of that later. Um, this is one that grows on us. This is athlete's foot right here. That's a fungus that is not uncommon on, in humans. Fortunately, it's mostly an external uh, infection. And this is one that catches little worms. 
This is the fungal hypha. It forms this little loop when this little nematode worm wiggles into that loop. It tightens, and then it grows into the worm and digests it alive. So fungi have a lot of ways to, to, to make a living. They're really, really, really interesting critters. Uh, then we have the protozoans, single-celled eukaryotes. There are going to be two major types. They're going to be animal-like. Well, actually, there's two major types. There's one that are animal-like, some that are plant-like, some that are fungus-like. For our purposes, we're mostly concerned with the animal-like ones. Those are where most of the pathogens are. There are no algae that are pathogenic. There are, there are some of the fungus-like proteins that are pathogenic, but generally not on humans. Uh, and so we kind of break them down by how they move. Do they have little cell extensions like amoebas? You see pictures of amoebas in the past. Uh, do they have little short things called cilia? Or do they have long flagellae that they use to move themselves around through their environment? Uh, so this is a, an amoeba here. This, the cytoplasm literally flows out. And if it's going to go in this direction, it pulls the rest of the animal along behind it. Sort of like the blob in the movie, uh, which has been a while ago. I mean, there's been a couple of movies with that in sort of like that. These are the cilia, the short things that they use. These guys tend to move pretty quickly. They're, they're the most complex. And then these are the long flagellae. Usually they're almost as long as the cell itself. And so those are just some of the protozoans. Um, this is a blood parasite here. It's a protozoan blood parasite that causes African sequence sickness. Uh, algae. Unicellular, photosynthetic, not pathogenic. So we're not going to worry about those. And just some examples of, of algae. Lots of uh, very fantastic shapes, too. Really interesting, but not pathogenic. Okay, and I guess we'll stop there because this is time. We'll finish a little bit of this that we have left. Uh, not a lot. Uh, more than I thought. So we'll finish that up next class and get started on the next.